Welcome to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. In this amazing episode, Josh and I get to chat with Vincent Rocco Vargas. And uh, if you don't know who he is, I'm going to tell you in just a minute. But the most important part of this conversation is his most current project, which is really cool. And it's called Veteran. It's Veteran, but with a B. And so we're going to dive into that. But really what I love about this conversation is we chat about uh, uh, love and leading in love. So a little bit about Rocco. He uh, was in the military. He worked for the Department of Corrections. He was on border control. But in 2013, he hung up all his uniforms and uh, has followed a career in entertainment and his YouTube videos turned into other projects, which now um, he is currently uh, a role in the TV show Mayans MC, and he plays Gilberto Gilly Lopez. So I know you're going to enjoy this episode. I really enjoyed this conversation. Let's get it started. Welcome, Vinny. How are you doing today? Good, good, good. I dropped my coffee on the way in here. Oh, <laughs> oh man. You know, you do that and you're like, ah, oh, it's going to be a rough day. <laughs> that's what happened today. We're good. Everything else is good. <laughs> did you, did you redeem any of it or was it a total no, loss? No, man, total loss. As soon as I saw Ooh. it, that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, I could see. Oh no, that's, it's all gone. <laughs> um, yeah. Hit that reset button. It's going to yeah. be a good day, right? Yeah, it's all good. It's, it's all, all about good. perception. How we, how we perceive in the situation. Let's move forward. Yeah. So, you know, do you have a morning routine? Like obviously coffee is part of it. Yeah, you know, it's it's just black coffee. It just kind of gets me going. Uh, mm-hmm. I do like a cold cold brew. Right on. So so that's just what I normally do. So yeah. So watching that fall, I was like, ah oh, man, but it's all good. Yeah. No 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 use crying over spilled coffee, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think the milk changes to coffee in adulthood for most of us. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So um I uh we, we were chatting yesterday and I was um I, I want the listeners to know first and foremost <laughs> mm-hmm. that you have six kids living under your roof yes. right now. You have seven, but you have, have six kids. right yeah. now. So yeah. Talk to us about that, man. Yeah. And you know, right now during the summer, I actually have all seven. So, but no, it's good, dude. Um, so, you know, I was, my first marriage I had four kids in 2012 ish, like late 2012, I became a single dad. I took on full custodial rights. Um, there's a lot more to that story that I just don't, you know, it is what it is. Um, later on, I met my current wife who has two kids and we blended the family all under one roof. And so that's six. And then we decided recently to have one of our own together. That's number seven. And then my oldest son, he, he moved out and, and went to go live with his birth mom. And so it's this very interesting, um, I tell people, you know, raising four kids alone for a little while was, um, was rough until I got a routine. You know, I feel bad for my oldest one because she really was the, she was the support that I needed. You know, she was old enough to, to help me with a few things that I needed while I was trying to do other, like bathing the three-year-old. She was getting, uh, you know, she was making sandwiches for tomorrow's breakfast, for tomorrow's lunch for the kids, for school, whatever the case. And so she kind of had to raise a little faster than, than normal, but raising four alone, um, just having help raising six was easy. And seven is the same. And now my oldest is 17 years old. My, my second oldest is 15 years old. And so we, me and my wife, when we got married, 
Um, my now 17 was 14 years old and starting to watch the kids, you know, and I was like, it's actually kind of worked out. We got a babysitter in the house that we trust, exactly. you know, and we, you know, me and my wife, we made sure because of having so many kids and trying to be in their lives and each one of them getting their fair amount of attention. Um, we also had to focus on the relationship of us, you know? And so we, we made sure that Friday nights was kind of like our night to either have a dinner or go karaoke, or even if it's just, just something, even if it was just a walk around the block, just together, um, it was a really good time for us to, to stay focused on the relationship just as much as we are on the kids, which is part of the foundation of trying to raise a family is, is keeping that relationship going. So, you know, all in all, it's been a big team effort and it continues to be this team effort of, of striving for this family unity of we eat dinner together at the same table. We don't, we don't do anything other than that, right? Like when it's dinner time, we all sit down and eat dinner. Um, and that's something that we've maintained to try and keep that, that old school family kind of thing that my father had for us growing up. So, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. I think it has its dynamics of trying to give everyone their fair amount of attention. Right now mm-hmm. we're going through that with sports and everything where, where the struggle is you know, the balance is shifting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's this place where you can use those older kids, like, you know, built in babysitters and you're kind of riding that wave. And then all of a sudden somebody's life gets really full. Another kid's life gets really full and you're just like, I don't know how to manage. Yeah. This. Yeah. So for a while we have a, we had a daughter, we have a daughter, but she, she decided she didn't want to wrestle anymore. Sports in our family is very important. Mm-hmm. Try and keep them all active in something. I believe sports is a good thing of rooting, uh, team building, also building adversity, right? Like losses, kids dealing with loss and, 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 and all that, you know, so resiliency is important as a, as a youth to, to learn, which a lot of our kids don't these days because they get the participation award, right? So my daughter is a wrestler. Uh, she's a state champ for females and at 106 pounds in Utah. She's ranked in top 20 in Utah. She is a badass kid, right? And she'd been wrestling since she was eight years old. By chance, I was focusing on my sons as a dad. I focused on my sons early on in my life. Didn't think like my daughter's mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, they could they could do cheer or something. And my daughters, I think, were thirsting for the attention from dad. We're like, Dad, we'll wrestle too. And I was like, Oh, and this is single dad issues, right? Single dad, like not thinking, you know. I'm like, Oh, yeah, go ahead. Boom. And so my daughters jumped into wrestling. And I think for the most part, um, her name is Star. She's she's our 15-year-old. I think for the most part, she was trying to gain my approval as a dad, as well as my attention. And she did that. She, she stunned us all. She showed up and she smoked everybody. She became this very talented female and it got all my attention for a long time. Just until recently. I mean, I started coaching the high school girls team because my two daughters are on the team and we're fully engulfed in it. And she just recently decided that she comes home from the summer and says, I think I'm done with wrestling. And a tough pill for me to swallow. Um, to be honest, I still, I think I'm, I'm still having withdrawals <laughs> of that. You know, there's, there's waves of, of frustration in that. I think she could be an Olympic wrestler, like legitimately. Yeah. And I don't think she understands the gravity of that and trying to find a balance of the push and pull from dad. Am I pushing too much? Should I let her, let her choose on her own? Is she old enough to even make a decision or even knows the gravity of this decision? And so um, I finally sat back and said, sounds good. That's cool. Whatever you want to do, because um, I think I've pushed for for enough years that I've done my part, and I think she's achieved something that she that can never be taken from her. Being a state champion, she's a state champ one hundred five and a super state champ at one hundred pounds. So it's like, look, she's got her award, she's got her achievements. Um, we've as a dad, I've pushed her to strive to those, and I think she's done. And so now it's we're focusing on the other kids' sports 
And that, that gives us a lot of room to breathe now because her was a big dedication, you know? We talked a lot about dads who have uh, adult, uh, they, they raised adults. They have adults in yeah. their, in, as their kids now. And they're like, you know, that, that balance of, I want them to be in a sport and I want them to learn the lessons and then they quit and, oh no, what do I do? And it's the, the vision on the other end, like what lessons did it teach them? And the importance was that I was supporting them and getting all in with whatever it is, what they were doing, whether I liked it or not. Yeah. Well, we'll think about it from eight till what, 15, she knows what growth and loss and, and, and fight all these things that man, you know, I'm blessed that she even learned that for that long of a period. And she's going to take with her for the rest of her life. You know, maybe she turns around and says, no, she wants it again, but it's not up to me anymore. It's, it's kind of on her table and, and she's going to have to decide whether she wants, what she wants to do with herself. But like I said, it's hard as a dad. I'm a college baseball player. My wife is a college cheerleader, like a tumbler, right? Mm -hmm. So we're both like, where's the kids that are driven like us, right? Where's the kid like me? I woke up at, man, early in the morning. I'm hitting baseballs. Since I was, I knew I was going to be play baseball. I want to be a professional. But since I was four years old, I was telling my mom this. It never stopped year round. Since I was seven, I'm like, bing, 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 bing. And I'm like, man, my kids are going to be just like this. Not one of them have the same motivation or dedication to a sport yet. And I'm starting to get worried, right? Like, oh man, did I do something wrong? Like my dad didn't push me as much as I think I'm trying to push my kids. And so I don't know. It's, it's, you know how it is. We're trying to do the best for them. And sometimes I'm, I'm fearful that I might not be doing the best for them, just doing the best for myself. Well, I think being um, intentional and you're thinking about it a lot, like you're really like thought life is focused on, am I doing the right thing? Man, it's hard to fail when you're really asking yourself that and really looking at that almost daily. Am I doing the right thing? It helps you realign. I think um, what's interesting about that and everything is I wonder if it isn't because of all the distractions and technology and everything else, because um, me and my wife are watching the last dance, you know, Chicago Bulls story and all that. Yeah. It's what a beautiful film. Incredible. incredible. And um, Kelly was like, every single person who walks on the, on the court, I'm like, Oh, that's this. And that's this. And that's this. And it's, you know, like that's Danny Ainge and that's, you know, Dan Marley. And that's, you know, Sam Perkins and that's, and she's like, how do you know all these guys? And I was like, you know what? I haven't thought about this in forever because we don't do this with uh, my son, Sully. Yeah. Me and my dad, it was all on NBC, ABC, CBS. So yeah. we watched every single sport, but it's not like that anymore. Like there's yeah. a lot of sports that are all on TNT, TBS, you know, these other things. So I wonder if that plays into it as well. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I was raised in the boxing community. My father's yeah. a really well-known cut man in boxing. Um, I've sat and had dinner just by chance. My dad was walking by and Roberto Duran was there and they knew each other somehow. And, and I'm like, Whoa, that's Roberto Duran. You know, I mean, I grew up training in Freddie Roach's gym, not knowing the significance of that. Right. right. I just kind of yeah. show up with my dad and hit the bag and my dad's train like my dad's in the corner for someone sparring for a big fight. And not realizing anything, the gravity of what I'm doing. And then as I get older, like boxing is my, my, I just love the fight community. That's why my kids wrestled. That's why I, you know, I, I trained for so many years and it's a hundred percent based on my dad raising me in this fight world of under, you know, maybe partly he grew up in a rough crowd. We grew up in a rough area. Maybe it was him protecting me, but as well as the sport of it, you know, Puerto Ricans and boxing is kind of as synonymous, you know, how it goes. And so it's just funny things. Like I'm the same, like I can name boxers from back in the day. I can tell you some of the biggest fights that have ever happened. And people say, talk about, I've watched, you know, and 
I, I can't say my kids are into watching UFC, right? Yeah. <laughs> like none of them are sitting there and enjoying like watching Ronda Rousey era or, or Conor McGregor era, which are like iconic mm-hmm. in sports and will forever be talked about. I can't tell you that they can sit there and say, I've seen her fight before because every time I put it on, like, hey guys, come sit down. They're like, yeah, I'm going to go to the room. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's all the other choices, you know? So like my son is, you know, he's six. He, we tried to get him to play t-ball. We tried to get him to play basketball. He just, you know, absolutely hated it and everything. But yet the kid can code at like low levels and yeah. everything at six years old. You know, I know dude. It's I just what grabs them. So like, we're trying to, we're trying to prop that up, you know, just yeah. like, okay, he's interested in this. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah, and it's hard for a guy who's like a sports fanatic yeah. for me because I'm like, yeah, me too. I told one of my sons, my oldest son. All right, we we butt heads a lot. You know, he 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 sees the world in a whole different light, and it scares me because I, I it's not reality sometimes. You're right. He's like, <laughs> Dad, what are we going to school for during COVID nineteen? People's lives are at stake. I'm like, bro, you still need an education. Yeah. It's all online, and he didn't under. He, he is just looking for the easy way out in every answer he does, and this is just their generation, a lot of the kids are just looking for the easiest answer. Right. Oh, dad, I can make millions playing video games. I'm like, you probably can, dude, but not at 13, right? Like, like right. not at 14, not at 15, not at 16. You know, when you turn 18 and you have a high school, at least diploma, man. And then, then for me, it's like, well, then it's on you, man. But yep. <laughs> yeah, I just, and, yeah. And I think with that, those guys, they all have trainers. They all have a physical trainer and everything to keep them at uh, bro, these, these guys are taking supplements yeah. like freaking CrossFitters, bro. They're yeah. all it's 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 not, you know, no matter where you strive in life and trying to be successful, there is a work ethic behind it. That's all it is. And some reason, you know, you know, I use my oldest son for this because he's the one right now that is the oldest that I see the lack of like motivation and, and any kind of work ethic. If it doesn't come easy for him right away, he quits. Mm-hmm. Right, like, oh, dad, I can't. Like, we, we, we oh, we went to Top Golf. Hardest sport in the world is golf. Yeah, yeah. Top Golf, it's impossible. And I play it religiously because it's so challenging. I'm like, I'm gonna get good at this. Like, this is how I am personally. I'd rather. I, I just love to fail something because I'm like, okay, now I'm motivated to try and get good at that. My son is the opposite. I'm mad. This is stuff. This game is stupid. I don't want to play it again. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Where did that come from? But that's the hard thing is like, I can be real rough on that, but I don't want to be because then I lose the connection with him. That's probably why he decided to move out. He's already, dad pushes me too hard, you know, and finding that balance. That's, that's always going to loom over me as a regret. Like, did I push him too hard? I don't feel like I did, but I mean, he felt like I did. So what's the right answer? You know? I, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what the right answer is. My dad, um, he pushed me hard. You oh, bro. Yeah. yeah. A lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, we had a bad relationship, you know, uh, you know, through in the high school, you know, early years of my military career. But you know what? They were tight now. So. Well, that's the funny thing. I tell people that, you know, and I don't, I don't if I'm talking too much, just shut me up, please. But uh, something is very for. easy to talk about is family with me, right? Yeah. My father would grow up in the gangs. He's in a gang culture. You know, he, um, it's just, he grew up in the streets. His father was abusive, right? So his father abusive. So he stayed on the street. Why go home when you're going to get your ass beat when you get that? You know what I mean? His mom, he, he'd come home several times with his mom getting pulled out in a stretcher going to the hospital, like mm-hmm. heavily. He's a big drinker. You know, he's albino, which didn't help because he's drinking albino. People pick on him. Boom. He starts a fight. And he's just this angry, angry person. 
So my father was just never home. He grew up in the street. They moved to LA to get away from him. Um, and he joined the gangs. And as that happened, my dad ends up getting arrested later on for a big old gang fight, go to jail or go to the Marines. He joined the Marines. Yeah. We grew up in LA. So obviously there's gangs everywhere. As my brother got older, my brother did very similar routes. My dad was pretty, pretty heavy dude, heavy handed dude. But I think he, he was learning from his dad, but didn't want to be his dad, but mm-hmm. only knew what his dad did. So there was a little bit of, you know, I guess he softened the touch, you know, my dad wasn't this heavy drinker like his dad was. And my dad also never put hands on my mom, mm-hmm. but he definitely, when he was upset or trying to instill discipline, he didn't know how to do that appropriately. He just did what he just thought was. And sometimes it was, it was a little bit like, oh, that was crazy. You know what I mean? And for a long time, I, I stayed away from home as well. I played so much baseball just so I could be gone. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, got to go to baseball practice. And you know, I can't say like I, when I was younger, I judged my dad for it. I hated my dad for it as in like, ah, man, I don't, I just not comfortable around that dude. He makes me feel like I'm going to get smacked any second or I'll get yelled at for any second. And then now as an adult, I understand my dad. Like I don't feel any bad resentment towards him. I get it. Like he's just doing the best version of his dad that he can do, you know, and I'm doing the best version of that. Right. I'm, t- I'm taking what he taught me and toning that completely down further mm-hmm. and and you know maybe the best version of a dad is going to be my son who's yet you know who's separated from that multiple different <laughs> generations but yeah man i mean now me and my dad are like best friends and i love the guy and he's the sweetest person and, and to his grandkids the guy's the softest dude in the world <laughs> yes yes oh my gosh yeah my dad is just a totally different guy with them and everything so yeah it, it's incredible but for me like he wasn't around. He was just always working and everything else. So when he was around, um, the interactions were very negative, you know, yeah. probably because he's tired and everything else. But um, yeah, yeah. But same thing. Like as soon as I could leave, I left, you yeah. know, and and yeah, I've never been back really. I mean, obviously to visit and everything. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I think I, I've talked to many men and they say, you know, um, I said, what's the best part of parenting? Uh, you know, and now having adult kids or adults and as kids, and they say, grandkids, I get to do everything right that I did wrong. And I don't have to punish. They're like, we get to swoop in and do all the awesome stuff and then be that person that we wished we would have been. And the other thing I was thinking was the fact that um, we have these examples, and this was a big discussion in our group recently, we have these examples of fathers uh, that we grew up with, and they may have totally failed. Like, you know, they may have been somewhere in between. My dad was a phenomenal father. Yeah, he made some mistakes, but he was a phenomenal dad. But no matter what it is, if we're in a learning state, we can use that to be a good dad. There's just, you know, and that's the conversation we're all having here is like we saw where the mistakes or where the right things happened and we're just improving on that. So that that's kind of that whole legacy thing is like we pass it, we do our best and then our kids hopefully will pick up that torch and do their best. And so I think there's a lot of hope. I want to... um I want to jump back. Yeah. I love something you said earlier, and this is going to totally take us off topic, but you said that every Friday night, do you still date your wife every Friday night? Well, not since the baby, the baby's actually slowed that down. I mean, yeah. he's too young, little to, to leave home. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, but, but like, here's the cool thing. So since we're a blended family, every summer, the kids are gone for about 30 days. Mm-hmm. So my kids going to go to, you know, the state where their mom's at, then her kids go to this thing. And so it's just us. And now it was us with the baby. So we got to do a lot of cool stuff together that was, you know, like just going top golf alone, me and her and the baby was cool because it's still our time. Just going to dinner is our time. You know, the baby 
having a baby at this age was, was an interesting thing because, you know, I guess we're older than when we were when we had kids when we were younger and we can, we just think differently. And I guess we have an under control a little bit more. And so it's pretty easy to go to like dinner and not feel like my baby's going to be, you know, I guess I I don't like them to be disruptive to anyone else's dinner, but we have a routine set for him. And so we know when he sleeps and we know, and you know, and so we've been dating like that. I'm waiting for him to get a little bit older um, and the girls to be a little bit more comfortable for us to take those date nights. But um, you know, things have shifted in our family too, because I'm now sober. So, you know, we used to go karaoke and, and, you know, we'd, we'd drink and have a good time and then Uber back home. So being sober is something that we we're, we're still dealing with in our relationship that my wife still drinks and not like, I mean, she just has wine and she's uncomfortable sometimes drinking around me, but I didn't stop drinking because I had a problem. I stopped drinking because, um, it's just a challenge. And it was a challenge I started for having the baby. And now I'm actually going to try and see it through. And I, I don't, I have dreams about it sometimes. But that's part of me um, growing as a father. You know, my kids always saw me say, hey, fights are on tonight. Let's go get some beers. So, you know, you know, um, maybe it's not appropriate, but I used to even ask my daughter, hey, can you get one of dad's sodas? You know what I mean? Things like that, you know, but it's it's just kind of how I was raised like that, too. I was the kid who got the beers for the men watching the fights, and I was honored to have that position. Right. I was honored to be the guy to go grab beers. Wait, go, Vinny, go grab beers. Yes, sir. Boom. You know, and to me in, in the Latino household, that was like a form of respect, you know, they trusted me with the prize of the, of the holding their beers and not dropping them, you know? And so, you know, in my household, me and my wife are figuring out, you know, we just bought golf clubs together. And so we're going to try and start golfing together once we get, you know, into a position where we can leave the baby for a little bit. When my mom comes to visit and watches the baby, we're going to do things like that. And so we're not now, instead of the whole dating, um, karaoke drinking it'd be karaoke and just hanging out but as well as other things like hiking together and and golfing together and just achieving new goals as a as a as a, as a relationship i think it's fun and we I, I think as i got older i've gotten more into i think i see the closer connection to us in that way than having alcohol in, in introduced to it yeah it's just changed a lot of things yeah so uh, something I, I like that you said was that you guys just have fun together. You learn together. So there's a there's there's two types of dating with your wife. There's like the business dating and then there's like actually dating. Yeah. It sounds like you guys are really good at just dating. A lot of couples I yeah. find go out and they talk about like how what, what they need to do with the kids and what's happening next week. Yeah. Have you been yeah, intentional and that's, about that? That's, that? You know, it's funny. Sometimes that's cool, right? Because you're like. Absolutely. You, you kind of get it, get it off your chest. Like, ah, oh, you know, it's bothering me, you know, and. I tell you, I've never had a relationship like this. You know, I've never had a relationship where I can be communicate complete freely with no judgment and just be like, I feel like I made a bad decision on that. Why? And, you know, or I don't agree with you on that choice. And and, she, and we can go back and forth at it and we might not be happy with it, but at the end we're like, okay, it's done. It's out of our system. Cause if I pull that in my heart and not say it, it's going to come out some other way in a really aggressive manner, just because the way my character is. And so I've been, we've now learned how to communicate so openly and freely, even when it's uncomfortable uh, openly. And that has been huge, man, because besides having that, you know, that, that backstop of just throwing emotion at it, you know, and saying, Hey, this is what I feel. I also have a friend who laughs at my jokes and thinks I'm funny, which is like super cool. Cause it's like, we have a lot of fun together as people, no matter what, like, you know, people say my best friend, I can genuinely say like, mm-hmm. man, I have more fun hanging out with my lady. Cause she gets my jokes. Like she gets my jokes. We can do the look and be like, mm-hmm, you saw that? I saw that. You know? <laughs> and and that to me has been so powerful to have that connection that uh, you know, I don't think I was mature enough to ever have that connection before. Right. Yep. 
yeah, that communication takes just so much time and everything, you know, um, you talked about, you know, being a mentor to your soldiers and everything yeah. we talked earlier or yesterday and everything. And, um, that's something that I learned as well, you know, um, uh, in the army being a, a sergeant and then a staff sergeant and everything. And, um, for whatever reason, I didn't take that into, our, into my home, you know, yeah. right, right away. And, you know, 10 years down the line, you know, now we're finally getting there where I'm just like not pulling punches anymore. Yeah. And it, yeah. Uh, and it completely, like, there's a little friction and everything, but then after you get past that friction, it's just like, why didn't we communicate this openly? And, uh, uh honestly before yeah, and yeah. i think it comes down to one other thing you said and then i'm just gonna let you tear loose is it's because of the place of love it's like not knowing yeah, yeah. for sure that it's from that place of love and that's something you hit on yeah you know um like i, I we were saying yesterday and I'll, I'll repeat it here is like i believe that true leadership stems from love you know i think true parenting stems from love um i don't think there's a difference between the two uh when i was when i was taking a soldiers to iraq in Afghanistan, um, at no point was there a disconnect of love to them. I love them so much that, you know, those were my kids when I was overseas. And I, and I felt that way dearly because that's how much I cared about their lives, their livelihood, the decisions I made as a leader um, were going to weigh heavily on me. For some reason, and, and it could be because of one of my squadrons before me who, who trained me most of the time, and, um, you know, he really treated me like I was one of his. And that alone just kind of that happened as well as having kids at a young age. I started kind of like I'm trying to understand leadership. And by the time I got in charge of people, I just knew it was, it was time to, to really treat them as my own. And I started calling them my kids. And I had other people like, why do you call them that? They thought it was funny, but I meant the sentiment completely because how can you say that you want to lead someone if you don't care about what happens to that individual? Like I am loving on the greatest scale it's life and death plain and simple and so that that scale of like how how heavy that can weigh meant that i had to be fully invested and i was fully invested in my kids uh overseas i knew their family i knew who they were i knew what drive them what and made them tick and you have to know that as a leader you have to know that as a dad as well i need to know that i have seven kids all seven have different personalities they're raised by the same two different personalities. They all tick a different way. And if I try and lead them all the same way, I'm going to lose half these kids. They're all like, they're going to be all over the place. Right. Um, the same as my soldiers, you know, everyone is raised different. Some have dads, some have moms, some are adopted. Some it doesn't matter. Like you got to know that. And when you know how someone is raised, if you know how someone ticks, you know how to motivate them. You see what I'm saying? Like one of my kids star, I'll just say that my 15 year old, I can, I can be the drill sergeant. If I'm the drill sergeant, she listens. She gets it. That motivates her. I can't be drill sergeant with my oldest one, Belle. I do drill sergeant with her. She shuts off completely. Like I've seen her. She's like, no, nope, I'm done, Dad. Done. I'm like, oh, my bad. Okay. Got a little, I, got, I picked it up a little bit too far for her. Her, I can just be like, listen, all you got to do is do this. We've trained this, right? It's this motivational tone where I'm kind of, I'm talking at her level. You know, I brought up my, they say in the drill sergeant community, taking off the hat and being human. I become real human with my daughter at that time saying, yo, this is, this is the deal. There's what we need to do in this next match, whatever the case. And she can find the motivation. She can understand where I'm coming from and, and how I'm trying to motivate her with star. It's like, you're better than that. You're better than that. And she's just like, 
boom, she gets it. Right. And everyone is different. You know, Hunter, which I realize now wasn't into that aggressiveness. And I'm dad raising my first born son, trying to think he's going to be a man. And my son is not me, you know, and it took a lot. It takes to the point where he doesn't live with me anymore. I pretty much pushed my own son away, which is painful at the same time. Bro, he is happy. And I can just say, thank you, Lord, that I was willing to let him go, you know, because I didn't have to. I just knew like it wasn't feeling right anymore. He was feeling anxiety about being around dad because dad is pushing him to do other things than video games and, 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 you know, whatever he wanted. And so those are lessons that I'm taking with me for the rest of my life. Like, you know, I almost feel bad for my, for my, all my kids watching me raise my baby boy now. Because I love them all the same, but dad is mature tenfold. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's like, they're watching me hug and kiss. I've never seen a baby grow. You know, like I've been deployed. I've been, you know, I've chosen another job. I got, you know, I've gone to selections. I've gone to whatever the case. I've never seen a baby grow from where it was to where he is now. We're, at, we're coming up on six months and I've never seen that process. And I am so like gratitude is all I can say for COVID-19, the weirdest thing. It has allowed me to be here to experience this. That I, you know, I'm almost nervous that baby has a closer connection to me than any of my kids. And I feel bad. Like I feel like, oh, I shouldn't feel guilty. But at the same time, you know, he deserves that. The baby deserves that. He deserves the best version of me. And all my kids deserve that. But they also have the older visions of me, a father who struggled with coming back from war father who's gone through divorce, a father who's raised him alone and struggled with trying to figure out the finances. And they found a, they, they've had this dad who's gone through so much turmoil. And, and sometimes, you know, it's reared its ugly face at them, directed it towards them because of the stress and everything else. And so it's, it's interesting, but like all the whole thing has always been based off of love. You know, I gotta tell you, like, like leadership is a love story, man. And, and some macho men out there don't, would not want to say that out loud, they would feel almost uncomfortable with putting leadership and love in the same sentence. But if you root it as deep far as you can, the only reason you give a shit about leading anybody is because you have to love them if you're going to lead them correctly. And if you don't love them, you shouldn't be in the leadership position of them. So true. So true. I love the the correlation between uh, your experience in the military, Ranger Battalion, correct? And yeah. um and raising kids. Cause I think a lot of people see it completely different when really leadership is loving. I think that's an, an incredible correlation. Do you get, well, you know, I, I break that down a little bit more if you okay. don't mind me, Please. Scott, you know, cause some people are going to, like, they don't get that. And, it, and think about it in this way, you know, and in, in where I was raised is leaders eat last. Well, tell me a dad who cooks a steak and eats it first, then serves his family. Because if you did that, what a jerk, right? No, you cook the food for your family, you know, and, and me and my wife, our system is she usually serves all the food and we sit down and we eat. You know, my kid, whoever wants seconds, the kids always get seconds first. Dad doesn't jump and grab another steak real quick before they get the rest of it. No, I want my kids' bellies to be full. And if there's not enough food for me, I'll figure it out because I'm dad. Same as overseas. I made sure my, my soldiers always had food in their bellies and they were always eating at the same time. A kid comes and wakes me up at night, so he's scared he's got a boogeyman under his bed. I don't tell him to go in that damn room himself. Go check it out real quick before I go in there. No, I say, follow me. Let me turn on the light. Look, son, it's clean down here. There's no issues. And so that is the same exact thing of me being overseas and wanting to enter a door first. 
you know, all these different things we think about in leadership, it, it correlates to, to raising kids. You know, like I said, the different personalities in the military, different personalities in kids, it's all the same, you know, and like I said, it's all rooted in love. Yeah, I, I believe that you, if you, some men will ask, well, how do I be a better dad? I'm like, be a better man. Like being a better man will make you a better husband. It'll make you a better father. It, you know, it's funny. You said something, Scott, earlier, and I, and I believe in it. If you're not going to sleep at night questioning your parenting, like, are you? do you even give a shit? Right. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel bad for daily decisions made, right? Like, if I had to tell my daughter no for something, I'm going to sleep thinking, like, was that the right answer? Was it not? Is there a different approach I could have handled? Yesterday, two of the kids got into a yelling match. And I said, hey, both of you, shut up. What's wrong with you, right? And I'm thinking, like, did I have to come in and just say shut up? Or could I say, hey, what's going on? Right. I question every decision made. And if I didn't, I'd be worried that I even give a shit about being a dad. Do I care mm-hmm. about their, you know, like, no, I question it all. And I'm not happy with some of the decisions I made. And, and I'm trying to change those and, and I'm continually trying to grow as a dad. But, you know, we have nights on our pillow, like looking at each other and thinking like, I don't know if that was the right decision. I guess we'll figure that out next year. Right. Like, so here's a good example. COVID-19 crazy time. Who's going back to school? My 15-year-old said she didn't want to. She wants to go 100% online. She's scared. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm fear of the backlash of not having kids around and growing up in a society where, like, you know, just, just socially being active with people, right? Communication, yeah, relationship right. building, all these things that I find are very important. She said, no, she doesn't want to. So we have them in one of the best schools in Utah. Like, I'm talking, I, like, we really invested in their education. And she's like, no. So we pulled her out. And I swear to you, all night, I'm like, are we sure about this? Like, she's going to be going to school online. And my wife's like, look, we can't push her. She doesn't want And so, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the, the devil and the angel. It's the, you know, two different viewpoints, you know. And my wife is, is definitely the, the one voice of reason. And I'm the voice of, oh, shit, I don't know if we're right. You know, and so it, it was, that's what our conversation last night was. And it was, it's a good, healthy question. You know, in the end, it's like, you know, We'll see how this year goes, and hopefully, you know, she'll make better decisions herself. Not better. It, this is her decision. I'm not saying it's bad. Hopefully, she finds this is either for her or it's not for her, and she speaks up so we can so we can do it. You know, so just crazy. Yeah, that's it's it's been a obviously a, a top hot topic uh, on on social media amongst our friends with kids in middle school and high school where they're developing at this age. And we just want them to be socially interactive because, you know, I have, we have a very, very loving home and our middle schooler is still dealing with a ton of anxiety and stress. And it's, it's, he's a social being he loves and it's just, it's destroying his, his happiness at at a, at a, at a certain level, of course. Um, But yeah, it's, it's tough. Raising kids is tough. Like what? Yeah, you know, me as what me and I said. Like, I get. I said, I hope we don't look back at this decision and later regret that we made that decision. You know what I mean? Right. Because like, we don't know if it's right or wrong. No one knows. Like, there's no one out there that can tell me like this is healthy. This is not healthy. Look, she goes to school and can get bullied too, and that's unhealthy too. You know what I'm saying? And so, there's this weird space of like, you know, as long as your heart is is in the decision you just you just go with it and you know it's a, it's a it's a family thing it's a family decision man yep no i mean my wife asked me the question last night you know should we let our kid go to you know first grade and everything this year and i told her i don't know you know yeah. but uh, i agree with you guys it's just it's a decision that we have to to make and then i think you know after that it's just like you said watching the feedback seeing how they 
you know, uh, respond to it? You know, are there other ways to get them involved with, uh, with kids, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm not sure there is right or wrong in the situation. It's just, you know, make a decision, watch for the feedback and then, you know, whatever happens with the kids and everything, just guiding them, you know, it goes back to that mentorship. Yeah, that's a daily thing, I think, as a parent, is, is you're always looking for the feedback. Everything you do, you put them in a sport to look for the feedback. You know, is, does he even love going anymore? Does he not love going? You know, what, everything they're doing is feedback. It, uh, that's what we should be, right? We should be right. the, you know, the buffer between them and stress and trying to see, is it too much stress? Is it a healthy amount of stress? Like, I'm cool with my kids stressing out. Like, I'm cool with my kids losing. Mm-hmm. Freaking lose all day. I love that shit, right? Because I can come in and be dad and be like, it's okay. It's all right, you know, but when it gets to the point where emotionally it's damaging, okay, well, then is it healthy anymore, you know, and that's kind of like we are the buffers of their stress and, and, and trying to mitigate what is a healthy, healthy amount and what's not. Yeah, they still have to. I, I love that you uh, value sports so much, and it's been different for my family because my oldest son did sports through middle school, but he really found his place in music and and band and like it's where he shines he's in leadership he's found his place he is extremely committed to it he is all in right and he wins and he loses at things all the time and um, i think that's really the scenario we're looking for is opportunity to train through winning and through losing because resiliency is built through going through those situations where you don't win or you make a bad decision and you 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 lose or Look like you don't want to be you don't want to be 19 18 years old and, and, and suffer your first loss yeah. your first heartbreak is the hardest thing you've ever done like my first two heartbreaks were baseball big games and i didn't come through and it broke my heart and to the point where in tears thinking like oh, this game is terrible i suck i hate it all that like i've gone through the the emotional roller coaster of what sports and emotionally invested into a sport can do to you it'll break you It'll embarrass you. I lost a, an all-star game in college, junior college all-star game. I lost the game off an error in the outfield. A picture in the paper. My mom's like, Vin, you did good. I'm like, what? No, I didn't. I just lost the game. Like, embarrassing. It was the. It was a hard thing because, like, you got to show up to school the next day. People make jokes. Like, all those things are tough. But you know what? It built me to, like, you know what? What did I do wrong that day? How do I fix it? And how do I get better? But I never would have had that mentality if I wasn't playing baseball at a young age. That's a game of failure. That's a game of the best players hit 30%, you know? And I'm blessed that that was the sport that I played because there was so much adversity growing up. I've, I've, I've been around the gang violence. You know, I've seen my friends get killed from freaking drive-bys. I've seen, I haven't seen it personally. I've seen, I've heard I've, it's just been in our culture of we lose guys from gang violence all the time. So it's like just death alone is probably the biggest thing to try and understand as a kid. You know, and then growing up and losing and losing and losing and losing so much and then finding these small breaths of air of like, ah, success. Those are what I challenged myself to find more often, you know, and then I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't realize baseball was definitely giving me the upper hand on dealing with a lot of adversity in the military. Losing people in the military was is hard, man. Carrying Carrying my buddies to their final resting place, watching their wives hug them the one last time. All these things were very, very emotionally hard for me. And still to this day, I struggle with some of these. But I feel like I wouldn't be as successful today if it wasn't for sports teaching me the early phases of loss, of, 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 of dusting yourself off and moving forward again, right? And sports are, are a good way of doing that. Not the only way. It's just 
the way that I was taught and the way that I continue to teach my kids. What, what do you do when you've, uh, you've made a mistake in the day in the way that you talked with your kid or a decision you made and you're like, that was really bad, bro. I own it. All right. I own it right away. Hey, come here. Come here. I was mad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have acted like that. Like I own it, man. How could you not own it, man? I don't like, know. Like, you know, in, in, I tell people in leadership and as a drill, so a drill sergeant is where probably where I learned a lot of my like things. Cause I see myself make mistakes all day with these dumb soldiers where I would just want to lose my mind over. Right. Like, Oh my God. Right. They're, they're worse than any kid because <laughs> now they have a rifle in their hand. <laughs> yeah, dangerous. And so, um, you know, you have to be honest. Kids are smart. And, and if you're not honest, they'll catch it. And you lose respect when you don't, right? There, I call that there's, there's, this, there's this power bar, right? There's this, this gauge right here. It starts here when you walk in the room as a drill sergeant. They see your hat, they see your badges, and they respect you. You open your mouth. It's up to this thing to, to either stay here or drop. If you say some dumb crap where they lose respect, boom, boom, and you lie and they catch you, boom, and you start losing respect from people from day one. You walk in the room, first impression. Second, open your damn mouth and see what comes out. Okay? If you're not honest, you lose respect. And it's the same with your kids. If you can't say, hey, I'm wrong, to your kids, you'll lose their respect. They will forever know, like, nah, dad doesn't admit when he's wrong. Or dad cheats when he plays games. Right? Things like that, right? Like these little things, it's, they hold it, right? They will always identify these little insecurities that you have as a parent too. And if you don't own those, like my kids know I struggle with certain things with post-traumatic stress. So what a hard conversation that is. So the same way, like, look, dad struggles with burns, right? Um, I, I worked on a family of seven that, that, that blew up a – it was supposed to be a kerosene, I think, lighter that they put gasoline in and they put it in the center while they're eating dinner, and it blew up, right? In the winter of, of Afghanistan, which is real, it's really cold, this quite, happens quite a bit. I worked um, as an infantry dude, but the days I wasn't working on mission, I would go and um, support in the medical side. I had a background in EMT, and so I just, I don't know, it's just a passion of mine to try and help. I worked on this family for almost 10 days straight, and one after the other were dying left and right. By the, by the end of it, it was just the mom who, who survived. And, I mean, day in, day out, you're scrubbing flesh off these kids' bodies and trying to get rid of the old flesh and, and help them from not getting um, disease and infection and as well as covering them back up so they can hopefully, you know, maintain their own body temperature at night and then you hope in the morning they show up again and some don't and i was going to to bed with the smell of burnt flesh in my nose for for a week and and i didn't realize how much it affected me i just knew like i just want to keep helping these kids also having kids the same age was like oh my god and not knowing in the way i was in the military you just pile up emotions and you just put them away right yeah whatever as I got older, I realized how much it was, it, it really affected me. Um, and, it, and, and we had a, an incident where my son burned himself with water. Um, he was heating up the baby bottle and I heard him scream and right away knew, but I couldn't do anything about it. I actually had this little panic episode of fear of what I was going to walk into. And, and, and it's just like, and I don't want to get emotional about it, but you know, um, that was hard for them to see. To see dad out of control, I'm the guy that's in control, right? I'm the guy that has his family handled, and I was completely out of control. And, um, you know, he left the house not understanding. I never even, I couldn't even, 
I couldn't even come to him and say, I'm sorry for like, not even trying to help just completely just screaming. And, and like, it, it was, it was a really uncomfortable conversation to have. So I, I just kind of went to work. I said, I'm out of here. And my wife was handling it and taking care of it. And he was good. He was good. It was a very, it was a scare and it wasn't anything serious. Right. But it was enough that it's, it put, took me somewhere else. And you know, that day I was actually driving to counseling is what I was going to <laughs> because I know this is an issue of mine. I don't know how to, how to be in control in those moments because I don't, I just lose myself. So I'm actually at counseling and I broke down to the counselor saying, dude, it happened again, you know, and, and I, I just want to go say, sorry. He goes, go. So I left counseling, drove straight over there, but I'm calling my wife the whole time and I'm crying. I'm like, I hate not having control because my kids are looking at dad as like, what's wrong with this dude? So I go to a school and give him a big old hug and just tell him, I'm sorry, you know, um, I'm going to talk to him later and not explain it. So we had a big family dinner and it was an emotional thing. And my 15 year old again goes, huh, I had no idea Dad, you were in combat. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But those are those moments where as a dad, you can't be afraid of just putting it out there and being honest. Like, look, I struggle with this. This is my weakness, right? And I'm working with it. And they know I go to counseling for this. And it's not an excuse, right? It's never an excuse for why I freaking lash out on, at, a, at a, you know, this weird moment of just completely uncontrolled. Um, and, and, and it's not like out of control, like throwing things. It's out of control, like I'm not doing anything. I'm just kind of like in a moment of stutter when I should be acting and protecting and saving, you know? And so that conversation is hard, but that's part of what I say. Like if I do something wrong, I own it as soon as I possibly can. And I might not be in the moment to own it right away. I might have to own it later that night. Like, yeah, that was a little harsh. That was wrong. You know, I have to own it, man. Or else I think, like I said, we can lose respect from our own kids and eventually your word is nothing to them. Yeah. Yeah. I think through messing up, showing them where we messed up, talking about it, you're actually making it better. I mean, it's almost messing up actually gives us a lot more opportunity to, to teach, right? And it shows them. Too bad, right? And it shows them. They, they're not always going to be right. right. You know, and, they, and they could say that they're wrong, you know? I think as fathers, we need, to have, we need to understand and have permission to mess up as long as we're failing forward. Like uh, Maxwell says, you, you, you take it, you learn from it, you get better the next time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I got, I got it's, um, it's extrasensory overload. Um, and it happens with, uh, oh man, it can be the TV is on and Sully is screaming and all these things happen and, you know, and then I just completely lose myself. And sadly for me, I, I wish I wouldn't do anything, but I, I do react um, yeah. and, uh, I will throw things and, uh, and, you, know, you know, I understand the root of where that comes from. And probably some people will be like, whoa, but you know, look at, you can admit that. And those are the things one, my wife understands me. So she also mitigates that. Yeah. And which is what a team player that is. Yes. Right. You know? And so, you know, your wife, I'm sure identifies and goes, Oh, whoa, 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 let's fix this or go outside, get out of here. Yep. Go yep. yep. We're getting into a, a, a bad space. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. It is crazy. I think most men struggle with that. We just did an episode about anger. Like it's just, it's just a thing that men deal with and it's not always anger. It's, you know, these emotional things that we're used to bottling up or don't know how to handle or we shut down. I do yeah. this all the time. I do it all the time. Yeah. yeah. We grew, we grew up with, with men don't have emotion. 
you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, being in, in a, in an alpha male community of fitness or whatever it is, is those, those are even 10 times that, you know what I mean? You get ridiculed and, you know, just saying, I go to counseling. Some guy's like, what's wrong with you? You weak. Like, I'm like, all right, bro. You'll be calling me soon saying that you're, you need help. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah. Get counseling, bro. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm actually strong and I want to be stronger. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you have a, so you were, a, you were a ranger, you were a leader in, uh, in service. You were a drill sergeant. You've done some, um, some YouTube stuff. You've been in a TV show. I mean, you, you, you have a creative side, I'm guessing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, so how is that? Uh, what are you doing now? You, you, you've got all um, these things going on. Are you still doing Mayans? You know, when they call me back, you know, I, I am on the show for sure. I'm a main, yeah. main character on that show. And, and whenever the COVID-19 gets figured out in Hollywood, we'll be back. We'll be back to season three. Um, but I've always on the side, I'm a writer. So I, you know, I wrote a book about transition and, you know, I don't publish it very, I don't, I don't promote it very much because I feel like um, people will find it when they need it. You know what I mean? People right. will find it when they need it. And if they, if they want it, they know where to get it. And if they want it for free, I'll send them one. I don't care. It's not about making the money off it. It's about, I put in the effort to tell my story, you know? So a lot of things in writing, I have blogs about my kids. I have blogs about parenting. I have blogs about leadership. Um, all those you can find on my website and, um, you know, I create and music, you know, so I write poetry, but like sometimes poetry isn't received very well from people or won't even take the time to listen to it. So I've turned it into music. And so I have a few songs and I have, I think, three more coming out, hopefully by the end of next month. Right and it's, it's all, it's all with the idea of, look, I'm a creative in the sense where I feel like anything I, I can write, I enjoy writing, I enjoy, um, breaking down emotions and putting it into words better than what was done for me. And so I can express post-traumatic stress. I can express like dealing with loss in, in words better than I can just, just talking to someone. And so I write them. And um, sometimes, like I said, people won't read them because it's a blog. Okay. Well then will you listen to a song? Because I'll, I'll, I'll put it in music. And so anything in the, in the sense of writing is what I really like to do in the creative side. And so poetry, books, I've written scripts, um, music, and it's all in the same. The goal is to just put my emotions out there on paper and as honest and as, and as raw as I possibly can. And I think the best, the best criticism I get back is, oh, I felt like you were telling my story. And that to me is like, well, that means that I was super honest and, and it was enough, for, you know, because we all are the same. We talked about this, guys, like we all go through the same thing. We're all dads wanting to do the right thing. We want to financially support our families. We want to find happiness within ourselves and find our purpose, right? We all just want to have the same things. You know, I want to wake up in the morning, feel content with what I'm doing in life and not feel like I have to continue to chase something different. But right now, um, I've made it my passion to try and help the veteran community first because I don't think we have strong enough leaders or enough leaders, enough voices. You know, the reason I walked away from as a federal agent was to focus 100% on, you know, being a public figure in the veteran community and hoping that microphone grows, meaning, meaning the bigger, the bigger my social media would be is the bigger microphone for veterans. And, and, and if I can help guide them and direct them based off of my own failures, well then, you know, we have people helping in a bigger, I guess, platform. That's what I started better in, right? Veteran is just the sense of, of being, becoming a better veteran there's too much of a negative stigma on the veteran community. People talk about the, the bad things about us, but they never talk about the good. 
They talk about suicide, they talk about post-traumatic stress, they talk about PTSD, but they don't talk about the success in our community. For some reason, that's not shareable. For some reason, that doesn't get likes, right? For some reason, that doesn't generate a revenue stream for nonprofits. It's always the negative, negative, negative. And I don't agree with that, right? And so I don't, and, you know, people get mad at me about it all the time and it doesn't bother me. Like, I don't promote any negative thing. I don't promote 22. People are like, hey, man, would you work with our organization? I'm like, I, I can't. Personally, I won't. And don't be offended by that because that's my choice. You know what I mean? Because I promote positive, positive. We, we have to move forward. We have to be successful. And the only time we see find success is we stop victimizing ourselves. You know, you have to be accountable for your actions, fix those mistakes, and move forward. And it's just like, you know, I do public speaking all over the nation about leadership and about, and about transition. And every transition speech, there's a civilian there that really cares, you know, and a lot of people do. They care about the subject. And they say, how can we help more? And I tell them, stop helping. Stop helping. Like, we don't need a handout. I don't need someone to put my pants on for me. I don't need anything. I need to be pushed into saying, hey, all you have to do is do it yourself. If you want to be successful, you got to put your pants on. You got to get out that door and start applying for jobs. Someone calls me and says, I don't have a job. Like, have you applied for Walmart? Because I was a car salesman. I was an Uber driver all at the same time. You know what I'm saying? I'll do whatever I have to do to pay the bills. But that's, that's just a temporary thing until I get to the next thing. But people don't think like that. You get out of the military and they're expecting the world to hand them a freaking free job that pays 60000 70000 a year. And that's unrealistic thought process. And then they get mad at the government because the government's not helping them enough. Well, it's because the company government's been helping too much for so many years. People are right. now expecting it. You know, so it's this entitlement mentality that has happened in the veteran community that has now slowed us down. It's essentially we shot ourselves in the foot by expecting the world to give us anything. And the truth is, no one from day one, you're not, you're not, we did this voluntary. We're the only in 20 years of volunteer military, 20 years of volunteering. You did it to yourself. You joined because you believed in a purpose. We'll now continue to find a new mission. Find new success, find something else to give yourself purpose and, and drive towards that thing. And you're going to fail and it's going to be hard, you know, and, and that's just the way it goes. It's a totally different perspective. Stop helping. Like right now, I can't tell you how many people are doing the 22 push up challenge and it's been going on forever and ever. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, it's bringing awareness. Uh, but at what cost? What cost is it bringing awareness? So dig into that a little more. Like, why are you so against this? Well, it's think about this, man. It you got let's let's be aware about suicide. We're all aware. Suicide is an is an, is an epidemic in in humanity. This isn't a veteran issue. Let's if, if veterans right now have marketed it to be our issue, right? There is no we don't have a monopoly on suicide. Okay, it's not true. The truth is, suicide is a humanity issue. Law enforcement, kids, everything. It's it's a problem. Okay, we've just kind of monopolized it as if it's us. No. We need to get down to the root of it. Everyone's aware of suicide. How do we prevent it? Okay. And for me, there's so many different aspects. When one is fit, it's, I mean, someone gets out of the military. Why aren't they joining like a, an 18 week boot camp as, as they get out? You get, you got a 16 week boot camp to get in, get a 16 boot camp to get out. And when you get out, let's go do a, a brain scan. Let's do hormone checks. Okay. Let's get their fitness levels back. Let's get them counseling. All these things that should be done before you start putting a Band-Aid over a gushing wound, right? You need to stop the bleeding, right? This comes from traumatic brain injuries, post-traumatic stress, uh, hormone deficiencies, 
straight up, straight up. That's what happens. Counseling, those things. You you get your brain checked to make sure like everything's functioning and firing off the right way. You get your blood work done, make sure you have the proper hormones. Most guys get out of the military, their testosterone has dumped, dumped to the ground. Okay. You're talking about that's not depressing. That doesn't cause suicide. Oh, bro. Yes, it does. Change that real quick. Counseling. They need to fix the wounds. You need it. You need to let it out. You need to accept whatever things you've done. You need to talk about it. You need to get counseling. And there's multiple different versions of counseling. There's, there's man, EMDR, there's group, there's all, all kinds of things. I can't even tell you how many things. Once you've fixed you, that part, the inside, we can start fixing the outside. Fitness is a huge one. Okay. And then you start going out there. Now you can start doing things. Now you can find your purpose. Now it could be wood chiseling, horseback riding, sports, whatever all these nonprofits are doing, right? They want to take veterans out to go fishing. Yeah. But does veteran give a shit about fishing? Right. Is that his thing? Because if it's not, you're just, you're just paying for an entertaining day, but he still has no purpose, right? He still has no, no reason. And so we, we have to get them through a 16 week, some kind of boot camp that's like, let's get you back into, First, make sure you're back in the fighting form because life is a fight, man. It's, it's, a, it's a fight. And then two, figure out what they want to do. And whatever it is, they got to attack that, man. They got to attack that like they do in the military. Dude, let's do it. Let's just do it. Let's figure out how to take action on that. Put, put that together and let's just can do it. I, I'm down. Yeah. Let's do it, Josh. Trust me. I've been writing this. I've been nice. working on this. Good. That's yeah. incredible. It, just, it is. That's really so better. And, you know, right now, veterans doing like, a motorcycle giveaway, right? Why is that? I don't, man, I love motorcycles. I'm on a Mayans MC show, but the truth is it, hopefully it's a, it's a, it's a marketing scheme to raise money for better, right? It's a marketing scheme. The shirts all have positive messages. They all mean something. I didn't make, I made every single shirt design because they mean something. Mm-hmm. But the end state goal is the money of that is going to hopefully building the first veteran transition center here in Salt Lake city. It costs money, right? I'm not going out to investors who don't have the same heart. I'm not going out to an investor that doesn't really understand what I want. I'm trying to raise that money myself to put right back into it to build this for the community. Because once we build one, it's like, if you build it, they will come, brother. Let's do it. Yeah. So I, I, you brought some really amazing things to light. Like when you are in active service, you are always moving. You're, you are, your brain is always probably always on or mostly on. You're physically always on. And yep. there's, and you're, and when you get out, you're probably at that age where your hormones and your body are completely changing. You, I mean, you, you, you and, and you probably experienced some traumatic stuff if you were, if you were deployed, like what would we do if it weren't from the military? We would not, uh, have fundraisers. We would say, Hey, you need to get your, all of your blood levels checked, make sure that everything's leveled out and take care of that. You need to be exercising. You need to have counseling. So why all of a sudden are we, I mean, it just, it's like a big light went off in my head when you started explaining. It's like, no, no, duh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like. The foundation needs to be laid first before you can do anything else. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, like I said, people putting bandages over a blood gushing wound. You got to put the tourniquet on first, stop that bleeding, fix that bleeding. And eventually you'll start wrapping it with other, you know, bandages. I don't know why this has been, it's taken so long for anyone to understand this. And, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a very strange thing, but you know, either way, yeah, there's answers for this, right? There's, there's answers at least to start trying in a better light instead of saying, let's just throw some weird nonprofit at them. Like, no, let's actually fix them first and then let them find their, find their way. Yeah. I mean, there's some organizations out there that uh, really help 
veterans get work or entrepreneurial um, groups that help veterans. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that it's always holistic, like this holistic approach of, you know, all of these things that we need to pay attention to and teach them in like, look, you're, you're smart, you're, you're intelligent, you're, you're a hard worker. Like, how does that translate now? Like, let's do it. Let's get everything in, in line and do it. Well, and you know, we don't have any help on our side. When you go to the VA and you tell them your veteran has post-traumatic stress, they give you the the concoction. You know, they give you about four different pills. One to keep you awake, one to put you to sleep, one to keep you know. And it, and it's like whether the VA really believes that's the answer or not it doesn't matter. It's it, it's not helping guys really fix their issues. It's just they're coping with them now. It's just like alcohol is for people, right? You're just you're just giving yourself something to help cope with it. And, and that's never the answer, right? We need to get down to the root of it and fix them. And then and instead of administering any kind of ph- pharmaceutical medication right now, we need to figure out if that's even what they need. Yeah. We got to have an active, an active yeah. approach, like not a prescriptive repo- approach, unless it's prescribed, not a medicinal prescriptive approach. We need to yeah. have an active um, uh, prescriptive approach, like a holistic, like I kind of t- hate that term, but it makes sense in this situation where you want to look at the mind, the body, uh, and and how do you do, how do you support yourself and thrive? And yeah. you've thrived. No, I, I mean, you thrived. You're a veteran, so you're coming from that place. I'm trying. Yeah, I think every day is a struggle. I tell people it's like a tightrope uh, balancing act. You know, I always feel like. I could screw this up any minute and, and I'm hoping not to, you know, I'm really, am doing everything I can to just keep moving forward. Um, right now I've kind of put it on my shoulders to, to help the veteran community. Um, and I'm hoping someone else comes in here and takes that torch and runs with it so I can relax a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But right now I feel like it's important. You know, I didn't mean to take this space. It just kind of fell into my lap and I've ran with it and I've noticed how much it's needed. And so I'm kind of trying to fill that gap as long as I have to. Yeah. D- so uh, for our listeners, where can they find out more about Veteran? Yeah, um, Veteran, you can go to Veteran.com. It's Veteran with a B instead. Um, you can. That's really where we're doing the giveaway, but you can follow my social media, kind of understand the heart of what we're trying to do. My social media is Vincent Rocco Vargas on every platform, I think. Um, you know, it, I'm not too hard to find. <laughs> and once you no. see me, you, you won't, it, it'll be hard to forget. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and if and if anyone, you know, I answer every single message. There, you know, I there's no admin who runs my page. Well, not now, you know. Someday, but, um, yeah, yeah, but um, I answer everything. So if you have a question, you can ask me directly, and I'll answer you within a day, guaranteed. That's incredible. That's great. So, um, one last thing you want to say about parenthood, fatherhood, and leadership? You know, I think um, it's ever evolving. You know, um. Don't get stuck to one idea as if it's right. Things change. Life changes. People change. Um, as a leader, I have to be able to, you know, be able to be mold myself as well. You know, as much as I'm molding them, I have to mold myself. I'm always studying. I'm always reading. I'm always looking at new ideas. Um, and I have to be open-minded enough to take some of those ideas and run with them. Because if not, then I'm my dad or my dad's my, his dad. You know what I mean? We have to be able to move and shake and, and adjust fire at, at all times. And as every kid gets raised, it's like, okay, that's gone. Next, I'm changing that. You know, and, and I'm going to continue to do this in leadership. I, if I wrote a leadership book five years ago, it would be completely different now. You know, and, and as much as I've been working on a leadership book, by the time I finally finish, I'm probably going to go back to chapter one and want to rewrite it. You know, you know what I'm saying? And that's how Evolving, honest yeah. this all is. 
be able to, to move with the punches, you know, be flexible and knowing that every kid is different. Every personality is different and everyone needs to be raised and led differently. Rocco, thank you very much for uh, chatting with us. We really appreciate what you're doing uh, and your insights on parenting are awesome. Probably, <laughs> thank you, probably because they fall in line with what I believe, probably what Josh believes. You know? <laughs> All those people that are right out there are the ones that agree with me. But <laughs> right. So uh, thanks a lot, man. No, no problem. Thanks, guys. Heading off to work now. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on this podcast of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood. And thanks to Rocco for sharing his heart with us about uh, parenthood, leadership, serving, and um, and now his veteran movement. And uh, go check that out. It's www.veteran.com. And veteran's basically veteran, but spelled with a B. I know I went there and I ordered a shirt. So his shirts are cool and he designed them all. So go pick one up, pick two up, pick three up. They're, they're awesome. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, just hit that subscribe button. And if you've listened to us and you've enjoyed what you heard, give us a nice little uh, review. We would really appreciate it. That's what drives this forward. That's what gets this, gets this in the ears of more people. So thank you so much for joining our show. Thank you for so much for listening. We really appreciate all you.